This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Okay, living in a sinful world. Did we say that already? Yes, we did. Okay, dad, I cracked the dad joke, right? Great. And um, so anyways, we'll jump in, okay? I was teaching my kids uh, this verse from Matthew chapter 7. It says, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are there that, that go there and narrow is the way that leads to life and there are very few that find it. And I was trying to get them to memorize this verse and, and I was telling them, I was like, there's this broad way and there are many people that are like flocking over there and it's loud and it's crazy. And then there's another gate where there's like few people over there and it's not as loud and you know, it's kind of mellow. And I said, which gate do you think God wants us to pick? And they said, God wants us to pick the boring gate. And I'm like, these, these, these are my kids. These are my kids who see me, you know, walking with God. And they're like, God definitely wants us to pick the boring gate. And oftentimes we as believers, we think that uh, Christian life has to be boring. The Christian life cannot be, you know, one with laughter and one with jokes and one with friendship and one where we actually um, can have a smile on our face and not look grumpy the whole time. Um, but when life... Uh, I'm sorry, and, and because of that, there are miserable people, uh, and misery loves company, and because they see somebody else who's a believer that's living in freedom, they don't like it, and so they try their best to make you feel miserable. I don't know if you've been there, especially in this past two months. They're like, how can you be so happy? How can you have this freedom? And they start picking and throwing rocks at you, and then there are other people, pastors, youth pastors, that uh, treat the gospel like it's a bitter pill that we've got to surround with games and fun and music and stuff like that and then just kind of throw in the name of Jesus over there. God doesn't like that. God actually created us to enjoy this life. God wants us to have fun. Um, and in a time like this when life shows its reality of death and suffering, uh, people look past the entertainment, they look past the music, they look past the Jimmy Fallon-ish pastor and they ask questions like, how must we live? Is there hope? What does it mean to live with the end in sight? And it's not just the world, but even we as believers. This past two, three months, I really hope you've been asking these questions in your own way. Man, how must we live? I was telling Linda over here earlier, um, this has been a very trying season for me in my life when I felt like every single thing that I stand for and that I do was thrown in the fire. The Bible says that things are tested in the fire. Hay is burnt. Wood is burnt gold will come out as pure gold. It's refined gold. And when we go through times like this, we ask questions that refine us, that sift us. How must I live? Is there hope in this life? What does it mean to live with the end in sight? And it's not just the unbelievers, it's also the believers that ask these questions. Now, don't get me wrong, God hates sin, but there is an enjoyment in this life that's not lame and that's not sinful. And this is better than potato salad at a Baptist potluck, okay? <laughs> uh, okay, fine. It's better than the soup at the living church. Uh, it's better than veggie tales. There is a life that is a blast to live. And that's what I've titled this morning's message is, Have a Blast While It Lasts. Have a blast while it lasts. Hey, enjoy life while you have it. And, and this is not a hedonistic message like you're going to see. This is ingrained in God's word. I don't know when was the last time you actually was able to laugh till your stomach hurt. Till you had tears running down your face. And God's word tells us, hey listen man, have a blast while it lasts. And, and if there are people watching us at home, um, on the verge of turning this off, 
because you're like, well, this guy's lost his marbles, man. This guy's gone crazy now. This is very hedonistic. This is like sinful pleasure, chasing sinful pleasure. That's not what I want to share. I want to tell you that we have a loving God. We have a God that created humor. We have a God that created taste buds. We have a God that created the mountains and the ocean and fish and colors. And he wants us to enjoy what he's places over here for. Yes, we're living in a sinful world. Yes, it can be confusing, but God wants us to have joy in this life. Have a blast while it lasts. You should shake your neighbor and say, have a blast while it lasts. You look too miserable, too grumpy. Yeah, you guys aren't doing this. Those of you watching at home, make sure you're here next week so you can shake your neighbor up, okay? Solomon in chapter 9, the first thing he's going to say, he's going to say, have a blast while it lasts because nothing is out of God's hands. I'm going to try this again, resounding amen this time, okay? Have a blast while it lasts because nothing is out of God's hands. Amen. Man, in your life right now, I don't know how many things you, you, you are able to say, my hands are tied. How many things you're able to say, that's out of my control. Or you're able to say, I did all I could do. God never says things like that. Nothing is out of God's hands. Uh, Sunday school song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. And that's the truth. That's a reality. Nothing is out of his hands. And because of that, you and I can have a blast while we last. Verse 1, chapter 9. He recognizes that nothing is out of God's hands. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all. How the righteous and the wise, their deeds are in the hands of God. In whose hands again? Remind me. In God's hands. Everything that's done under the sun is in the hands of God. I'm going to pause there before I go to the rest of the verse. Solomon is recognizing that. Every deed is in God's hands. Now this is not to say, listen to me now, this is not to say that God is the author of evil. For the past two weeks, I've been talking about how God is sovereign. This does not mean that God has his hand in the evil and wicked deeds, in planning evil and wicked deeds. Um, then question is, where does that come from? Where is God in suffering? Where is God when there's the oppression of uh, the righteous? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of unrest. He's not a God of discord. He's not a God of hatred. He's not a God of lies. He's not a God that brings division. But He's a God of shalom. He's a God of peace. A God is not a God who puts His hand in the evil works of the world. Job recognizes this when he says, Truly, God will not do wrong. The Almighty will not twist justice. So does it mean that evil deeds are out of the sovereign hand of God? No, not at all. Not at all. You see, this is the beauty of how sovereign our God is. You've got to have a blast while your life lasts because everything is in God's hands and nothing is out of His hands. And even in the wickedness of this world, God is sovereign. Yes, He doesn't participate in it. He doesn't, you know, organize it, but He ordains it. You need to remember this, okay? You need to write this in the cover of your Bible. God ordains even the suffering. He's over it. He's watching over it. Let me give you an illustration of this. In the book of Genesis, one of my favorite characters when it comes to topics like this is Joseph. He was loved by his dad. In fact, man, he was a gift to his dad and mom. 
Jacob loved this woman. He married this woman, Rachel. Her, her womb was barren, it says. And then God gives her a child. And what a joy for her to have her firstborn son, Joseph, loved by, her father, by his father. What happens to him? He's thrown in the pit, sold as a slave, falsely accused, imprisoned. And in Genesis chapter 50, he's there with his brothers and he says, You intended to harm me, but who? But God. You intended to harm me, but God turned it around for good. You intended to harm me. That was evil. God was not a part of it. God didn't orchestrate it, but God ordained it. And he is large and in charge because there's nothing out of his hand. You can have a blast while you last because nothing is out of the hand of God. And this is why, this is why my children of God, we can gladly hold on to the promises of God in Romans 8.28 that says, For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Because while we go through hardships in this life, we can realize that I can have a blast while I last. Because, hey, nothing is out of the hands of my almighty, powerful God. What does it mean to be in God's hands? What does it mean to be in God's hands? Does it mean you actually crawl into his nail-pierced hands? Let me, let me give a few scriptures to you. This can mean a lot of things, but let me give you a few things that I think will encourage you. It, when you talk about God's hands, it talks about God's power, God's love, God's supervision, and God's control over your life and over the world. Psalm 48.10, it says, As your name deserves, O God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. It speaks of power. When you are living your life in God's hands, you got God's power at your back. Hey, <laughs> have a blast while you last here on this earth because nothing can ever be more powerful than the sovereign almighty God that, in whose hands you're living in. Psalm 95 verse 7, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hands. What does that talk about? If you're the sheep of His hands, it talks about Him being your shepherd, your supervisor, your manager, your director. John chapter 10 verse 28, red letter words over here, Jesus' words, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. It talks about control and protection. So what does it mean about God's hand? It speaks of power, it speaks of supervision, it speaks of management, direction, control, life, abundant life. And that's why a believer can have a blast while you last. Because hey, 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 nothing is out of his hands. That's why David's able to write, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil man. Like the song we sing, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get scared of some giant. Not because of how strong I am, it's because I'm in the hands of the Almighty God. You know, as I was writing this, it made my heart break um, for those that fail to recognize that we gotta live our life in the center of God's hand, in His provision, in His protection. Because while it's awesome to realize that you're in God's hands, the Bible also tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, I know that sitting in this room, you guys are blood-bought believers of Jesus Christ, and I've heard your testimonies. I know that for a fact. But um, I don't know who's going to be watching this at some point later, or maybe you're watching at home or another country even. I want to ask you a question. 
Have you placed your life in the hands of Jesus Christ? Because if you've not placed your hands in His loving plan for your life, the wrath of God rests heavy on you. And the Bible tells us that's a fearful thing to, to fall into the hands of the living God. God really does have the whole world in His hands. In God's hands, can be a good thing for believers, but it's a horrific thing for those that reject Jesus. You see, folks, there are times when things don't go the way I'd like for it to go. But I need to remember that I am in God's hands. You know, as I was praying for us as a church, and as I've been praying for those that are able to join us online, and those that are uh, being benefited by God's word going out in, from the book of Ecclesiastes, One second. My heart's been heavy for marriages where you feel like your hands are tied. I've done all that I could, and my hands are tied. I want you to know that God's hand is not. As I've been praying through this, some of you are struggling with your jobs. You feel like your hands are tied, you've done everything that you could, and now your boss is having his way. The people that should not get the promotion are getting the promotion, and you have been working hard, and you're the one that's getting fired. Your hands might be tied, but God's hands is not. For some of you, your finances, you've done all that you could to pinch pennies and to make things work. And you might feel like your hands are tied with this, but God's hands are not. Your health, uh, in fact, as I was uh, praying through this, it's quite possible that there are some of you who's watching from a hospital bed and we're saying, it's your breath in my lungs. This is the air I breathe and you're counting every breath that you breathe and the doctor's hands might be tied. Not the hands of my loving King Jesus. Policies and presidents, their hands can be tied. But our King Jesus, his hands is not tied. There's nothing that is not you know, so big that our God will say that's out of my control. But these very situations that should cause us comfort, right? When things go out of control, it's nice. It gives us comfort to know that God, thank you that this is not out of your hands. These very things that should give us comfort can become the obstacles in trusting God. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.